balcony people. Yay, good morning. So everybody, it's so good to, it's so good to see you. I mean, it really is. And last week I had the privilege of, of worshiping over in Yakima. I have a son who pastors over there. And so I got to stay with my um, two granddaughters, which was cool. You know, um, one's in um, freshman in high school and the other one's still in junior high. And so we played Bible trivia. I'm not telling you who won. <laughs> I'm just telling you we played. I'm telling you who won. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'll just say they're pretty good. But we played pickleball. I will tell you who won. You better believe it. Got the, to try to get the old man running around the court, you know, and I was right there with him every, every time. So anyway, good morning. Good morning. Good morning online. Let us know where you're from. So type in the chat area. I'm going to share some stuff with you today that honestly for some, it really will be an ouch. Um, I only say that because it's an ouch to me. Um, and to some others, apparently, at the 9 o'clock gathering. And so really glad that you're here. But I just pray that we allow Jesus to talk to us, okay, to speak to us. Because that's really what this is all about. You know, um, you're a Bible reader. You know, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus um, shared this story that, that, you all, that you know. I think, I think most of you would know, know the story. And uh, the teaching, it, it just goes like this. Like, we're all builders, Right. Every one of us. And so we're building, on a, we're building a house. That's kind of the, the image that, that we're given. But we're building in one of two ways. We're either building on a solid foundation or we're building on a, on a, on a foundation of sand that when troubled times come and, you know, things that we face in life, if, if, our, if our building is on, a sa on sand, it just washes away. But Jesus says this, whoever hears my words and what? Does them. Whoever hears my words and does them, then you're building on a, on a foundation um, that is solid, that will withstand anything that you face in life. Now, those aren't just the words of a really good teacher. They are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are the words of God. They are the words of the one who died and was raised to life. They are the words that we stand on. And so that's what we're going to be talking about um, today as we kind of approach this, this subject. So we've been in this series for a few weeks now called Broken Normal. And um, what we've talked about is that, you know, over a year ago now, the normal routines that we were really, really used to, they were broken. So I've been doing this for a, a few years, a while. Now, I've never pastored a church through a pandemic, ever. I don't know anyone who has. My team has never led through a pandemic. You've never, right, been through a pandemic and these changing times. And what you've experienced is there's been a lot of broken, hasn't there? So not just in routines and what we consider normal, but there's been, there's been broken in a lot of relationships. And some of you are sitting here today, you're online, and there was a relationship that was broken because of all that's going on pandemic, politically, and, and, and so on. And so you know what broken normal is all about. It's heartache and it's grief. And if we were re really, really honest, you know, it's been a bit difficult. It's, it's been a bit hard. I've been talking to my team about COVID fatigue and how we will help one another and help you as a faith community kind of negotiate what I, what I think is, is what we're probably all feeling, COVID, COVID fatigue, right? Um, 
couple weeks, or when we launched the series, I talked about anxiety. So this broken normal caused a lot of anxiety. And if you were here and you remember, if not, you might want to go back to the archives and, and check it out. That 16% of people dealt with anxiety pre-COVID. A few months into COVID, that number had actually doubled. And then Sarah was here. She taught on, you know, the community and devotion and um, of Acts chapter, chapter 2. Mario taught last week on the loneliness that many of us are feeling. There's a lot of broken normal. And so when we talk about normal being broken, I've kind of categorized our response into three areas. So see which area that you fit in. So um, some of us ignore the broken, right? So some of us ignore the broken. We go like, that's not broken. And that's why your water faucet has been leaking for a long time, right? Because it's not broken, right? It's, we're just going to leave it go. And so it doesn't make any difference, you know, how, mu- how many times your spouse reminds you that the water faucet is broken. Eh, we just ignore it, you know. And so that's kind of our, our approach. Some of us blame others for the broken, right? We go like, well, that's not my fault, it's your fault. And, you know, there might, there might be some element of, of, of truth there. But our approach is to be, you know, the person who goes like, it's everything else and everybody else. And so that, that's kind of what, what we do. Some of us, we are the fixers. And so we attack the broken. Here's what that looks like. The water faucet is leaking. And you're thankful that Home Depot is open until 9 p.m. Because you're going to go up there and get it. And you're going to fix it before you go to bed. Uh, um, um, right? So we attack the broken. And some of you are that way. And that's probably where I, I probably fit more than anything. You know, like if something's broken, there's no better time than right now to fix it. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in just, just a little bit. But we talk about broken normal. Well, here's what I want to ask you. Just what if, what if the broken normal I'm going to talk to you about today wasn't really normal? Think about it. What if the broken normal that we're going to talk about really wasn't normal? Well, we just came to believe it to be normal. We just thought it was normal. We, maybe, maybe it's that we just, we just let it be normal. We let someone else's idea of normal become our normal. So here's, here's the question. We're going to toss it around. What if broken is really a blessing? What if broken is really a blessing? You might even want to jot that down. What if broken is really a blessing? So here's what I'd like you to do. Think back for a moment in your life when something was broken. Maybe you were um, taking out your normal routine for one reason or another. Could have been an event in your life. Could have been something minor. Could have been something actually more, more serious. But when you look back at it, you could now see how God used that in your life, right? I bet, I bet every one of us can. Um, we can see how God used that in our life to either adjust, you know, our walk with him um, or something else. But God used that broken in your life. I know I've experienced that in my life when I look back at that. So what if broken is really a blessing, I don't think there's been a time when I've traveled overseas, and, and you know, as you know, um, Gateway, we have global discipleship programs in three parts of the world, West Africa, and India, and then over in Spain, over in Basque Country. And I don't think there's ever been a time when I've returned that I haven't said this to Jen. 
We need to change. <laughs> we need to change. And here's what we need to change in. Our life is too busy. Because what I've experienced, and you know, you, and you, if you traveled, you've experienced the same thing, likely. What, what I experienced was that life isn't going at the same pace that we have become used to here that we call normal. That pa people actually take time for their relationships with one another. But things are a lot slower, and more importantly, they actually take time for their relationship with the Lord. That's what we're going to, we're going to talk about. So, so we, we actually made a change. And you know how long it lasts? About three days, maybe. And pretty soon, you know, life just goes at this pace that, you know, we're, we're all involved in. And pretty soon this commitment of like, let's just slow down, man. Let's just take time. Let's just do this. Pretty soon it just gets sucked right into, quote, unquote, the normal that we're used to. So what about the normal for you? What is it um, that would define your life? What is it that has become normal? And here's what was broken. It's called a life of hurry. A life of hurry. Do you know that hurry has actually been defined as a sickness? So Healthline calls it this. It calls it hurry sickness. It's called a hurry sickness. Have, have you ever heard that? that I never had until I really started studying and diving into this, hurry sickness. And hurry sickness is what has become normal for, for, for many of us. And there's a problem with that. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But listen to how it's defined, Hur this hurry sickness. A behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness and an overwhelming and continual sense of urgency. It's a general feeling of always being short on time. Anybody there? Yeah, lots of us. Online, yeah, yeah. It's always being short on time. So if you're, if you're uh, afflicted with hurry sickness, it kind of looks like this maybe. Uh, um, I, I never have enough time in the day. Or maybe you're the one who prayed, dear Lord Jesus, could you just extend this 24-hour day to 25 hours, right, or longer? And so you pray, like, you, your thought is, Man, if I could just get more time in the day, that would fix the problem. But you know what would happen if you had more time in your day? And if I had more time, we would fill it up, wouldn't we? Because now we have more time to be busy. Now we have more time to kind of hurry through life. Hurry sickness, listen to this. Can, here are some things that can lead to if Maybe, you, maybe you, you will recognize one of these symptoms, right? Irritability. I wonder how many parents get irritable with their kids. N nobody here, I know. We're talking about other people, by the way, so not us. Restlessness, so it's kind of like, right? Every now and then, Jen will tell me, like, you just got you to quit moving your legs, man, on stage, you know? You got to quit doing that. So I try to plant myself, okay? So that, that's what it looks like, right? Restlessness, you know, or we just got to get up and we got to do something or, 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 or Overactivity, you know, like we're always got to be doing something. How many of us are any good at just kind of sitting still? Now, some of you actually are. Some of us are trying to learn this thing, but like we just like got to fill up all the time. 
emotional numbness. After a while, you just get to going like, man, I just, I just can't deal with it anymore. Decreasing care for your own body and escapist behavior. How many will sit um, and kind of daydream a little bit what it would be like to be somewhere where you didn't have to talk to people? You didn't have to, you know, like go to work at a certain hour and come home and then do stuff and, I mean, like hurry through life. I mean, like all of a sudden, like the business of life would just be eliminated. I mean, he, that's an escapist behavior. I just want to get out of this thing. Or isolation, which, which Mario pointed out last week, kind of leads, leads to depression. See, a life of hurry is a life of stress. And then I read this, that stress, stress um, in five out of six leading is, is five out of six leading causes of death. Like the experts say like a w- overwhelming majority of people, um, their sickness is called by, caused by this, this stress. But when we're talking about broken normal, in this life of COVID, something happened just over a year ago when COVID hit. Suddenly, life stopped. And I remember, and maybe, maybe you remember too, when all of a sudden, like, everything's canceled. And under their breath, maybe parents just kind of, because for many parents, I've had conversations with parents who are going every night of the week. And all of a sudden, you couldn't do that. And all of a sudden, like, there was time. So what if brokenness, what, what if broken is a blessing? What if? And all of a sudden, the schedules change, and I, I know that many, you know, transferred to a work-at-home, right, model. And so the, getting up at 4 in the morning to catch the ferry and coming back later, later 12 or 15 hours later, suddenly that, that changed for you. Hurry was broken. Schedules were reduced. So what did we do? I mean, let's just think about it for just a moment. Schedules were reduced, things changed, and some of us just did this. And just stared at our spouses because we weren't sure what to do. What if broken is actually a blessing? I understand there's other challenges that this thing brought, but I want to focus on this one thing. And there's going to be a reason why. You're going to hear it in just a moment. Pre-COVID stats show that 60% of U.S. adults and 74% of parents said they at least sometimes felt too busy to enjoy life. Overwhelming majority said, like, basically, this, this is too busy. And I can't, even, I can't even live the life that I want to live or enjoy life because it's, there's just too much going on. One-third of all children said they felt rushed. Those are your kids and those are mine and our, our grandkids. Listen to this. The average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day. For Android users, it's double that because they don't work. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding you, you know, like, because I, I know you're going to say the opposite about iPhone, right? iOS users, okay? Um, but listen to this. We now spend an average of five hours a day on our phones. I won't even ask who's guilty of that because I would be raising two hands. Checking our phones once every 12 minutes or about 80 times a day. We spend just under two hours a day on social media and over four hours a day watching TV. It's a little glimpse of of our life right now. Now, my personal 
DNA carries the hurry gene. And I blame my mother for it. It's mom's fault. She's, you know, she's with Jesus. She probably heard that, didn't she? Okay, yeah. All right. So the lights start flashing or something weird goes on. We know mom's reacting. Um, so my personal life is, is, is kind of, I would just say I think it's packed with this DNA, right? Because I'm the dude that goes to, goes to Home Depot right before they close to buy the faucet that's leaking. Like I'm that guy. Um, one, one, I remember one Christmas when um, Jen said to me, do you really have to do that? I will tell you what that is. We had a, a fireplace and chimney, and I, I, forget what, I forget what the problem was, but there was something I felt like needed to fix. So on Christmas Eve, when we're supposed to be selling, celebrating Christmas, I'm up on the roof, right, working on this thing that could have waited until who knows however, right, because that hurry gene in me says, it's got to be done now. i got to get it done now. And guess what happens when that's fixed? Yeah, exactly, something else, right? Because when, when you have this hurry gene that I think that many of us are afflicted with, um, um, I don't think I'm the only one. This is our life, and this is what we begin to call normal. Now, why does all this matter? Because the biggest casualty of a hurried life, what we have called normal, is not our physical life, it's our spiritual life. And that's what I want to focus on. It's not our physical life. The biggest casualty is our spiritual life. Listen to John Ortberg. Hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. What he's saying is like you have to be and I have to be people who are very aggressive and very active at, at ruthlessly eliminating what it is that's crowding in life so much so that our spiritual life is being impacted. Mark chapter 8, verse 36, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Now understand that what Jesus is saying here, right? Um, it's a penetrating question kind of within economic terms to show the, the supreme value of, of eternal life. You can gain the whole world and everything in it, but it's of no profit if one loses his soul, one forfeits his soul. What's that mean to you and me as believers? Because I believe contained in this teaching right here of Jesus, I think is a larger point, a warning that there are things and there are pursuits that can impact your spiritual life and my spiritual life, our daily walk with Jesus. That is, while we are children of faith, while we are people of faith, we have received Christ, salvation by faith, a life of hurry, or being distracted even by the good things in life can impact our spiritual life. And it happens. The greatest threat isn't your physical life, it's your spiritual life, and it's my spiritual life. He goes on to say, he says this, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Now, anybody saying ouch? Anybody look back over this last past week and go, yeah, that was me. That was me. And suddenly we find we didn't have time to spend with Jesus. We didn't have any time because we were so hurried. I like to say it this way. It's just something I kind of fell on 
Um, some years ago when, when Jesus really spoke to me about this thing that we're talking about, I had to change my life. When we let the lesser important become more important and the more important, lesser important. I'll say it again. We allow the lesser important to become more important and the more important to become lesser important. That's what we're talking about today. So take a quick inventory of your life. Just kind of in, a, in, a, in like 10 seconds here. Has that happened in your life? Can you see where the, the normal, right, the hurry has maybe kind of become a part of your life and suddenly the most important thing has just kind of been shoved to the background a little bit. I'm talking about our spiritual life. I'm talking about our life of, of G, with Jesus. Here's, here's the big idea. The solution to hurry is not more time. It's making the right decisions that go on a, a good th- go beyond a good thought. Right? It's not more time. It's not 25 hours in the day. It's making the right decisions individually and as a family that goes on beyond just a good thought. See, when I came home from overseas, right, that was a good thought. But it didn't change much then. So it has to go beyond just thinking about it and really a good idea to something that we, we make a part of our lives. So here's the question. What does it take to slow down? That's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to give you three principles out of God's Word that we're going to take a look at a story here of Luke chapter 10, an account, and we're going to extract three principles, three ways that we can apply, three things that we can apply to our lives that will help us deal with this life of hurry individually and as families and even as a faith, faith community. It's a story I think that you might be familiar with. It's out of Luke chapter 10, and it begins with verse number 38, um, Martha and Mary. Here it is. Um, and the, the setting is Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem and, and they, they came to this village and they were invited into the home of Martha and her sister was there. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now just kind of lock into the scene there, okay? So Jesus is welcomed into the house. Martha's there, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And she sat there and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, if I were to ask you, don't raise your hands. How many of you identify with Martha? And how many identify with Mary? How many can see yourself as a Martha, right? So much to do. So much distraction that's really taken us away from the most important thing. See, the focus of this passage is not that people should be unconcerned about household chores or, or life or any, any of these things because demands of life will come. The point here is that we will always be making, we will always be making daily choices to eliminate distractions. You will, I will. We will the rest of this day. We will be presented with distractions today and tomorrow that we will have to make a decision about when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, to not allow the lesser important to push their way to the top. So 
Three lessons from this, this story. Number one, we have to learn how to minimize distractions, right? We can't allow it to go back to what, for many of us, was normal. Just this life of hurry and this life of busyness and the distractions that come in. Here's what I want you to visualize, okay? A sink of dishes. Now, I, I say it that way because last week I said a sink of Jesus. No, I mean dishes. Okay, so a, a sink of dishes or Jesus. Because that's what was going on, right? Martha was distracted with all that she needed, but Jesus was here. What's the choice? Now, I don't want any student. Your parents ask you to do something like dishes. Don't you dare respond by going, Mom, do I choose dishes or Jesus? Don't you, don't you do that. Um, you better choose dishes because by doing dishes, you will honor Jesus. Amen. Okay. So, but you get the point, right? Right? You and I will go through our life and through our day and the rest of today and tomorrow every day. And we will have on one hand the good things. Not the bad things. The bad things, by the way, those are easy, right? Those things that come into our life that we go back, like, those are easy to put to the side. But the things, the good things that will continually distract us and keep us away and suck us back into this life of a hurry that ends up taking our time from Jesus. Individuals will make decisions and families will make decisions. And I'm asking each and every one of us just to stop and just look at our life. And ask this question, um, have, have we allowed things to crowd in? And we kind of slipped into what we used to call normal, maybe that we call normal now, so much that our walk with Jesus is being hindered. We will make decisions. Families will make decisions. So I have an action step for you for each one. Okay, the action step is this. What distraction is consuming you right now? Think about it. Jot it down. Maybe online you can write it down. Um, what distraction is consuming you right now. What's coming here? The first thing that comes into your mind. What is it? Luke chapter 10, verse 41. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Don't you just love that? Don't you love that? Martha, you're, you're just worried. You're just distracted. And you, you can picture Jesus kind of looking at Martha, right, waving off all, all the details that she was wrapped up in. Martha, relax, right? You're, you're consumed, man. They're, those are details, but I'm here. I'm here. And Jesus says that to you and to me, too. Listen to Matthew chapter 6. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all our needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Some of us have memorized Matthew 6.33, haven't we? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But we've, but we've misinterpreted that verse. We have misused that verse because here's what we have thought. Like if I seek God and I seek his righteousness and his life, he's going to give me everything I want. That is not what that means, and that is not what that says. Because here's what happens. When you seek God... And when I seek God and his righteousness, his life is my life, his life living through me and his life living through you, all of a sudden, guess what? Our priorities shift. 
And we come into alignment with who he is and his will, and he gives us everything we need to walk out this Jesus life. That's, that's what happens. So in, in, uh, in what ways, then, do you need to trust him more? So we're talking about raising our trust level. What do we need to do to raise our trust level? So first, distractions. What do we need to do to get rid of the distractions? Secondly, what do we need to do to raise our, our trust level? And what areas do you need to trust him more? Is it with the details that have consumed you? Is it with the details of your work? Is it with the details of your family? Is it all the dishes in the sink? You see, what areas do you need to... I think I should probably stop using the dishes thing, okay? Um, so what areas do you need to trust him more? Think about it. Because those are the things that we find ourselves so often wrapped up in. And they take us away from the life that Jesus has called us to. All right, number three, real quick. Um, commit to the right priorities. Verse number 42, one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion. The picture is cl clearly drawn. It's there. There's going to be competing things that come into your life and into my life. They won't always be bad or wrong, but they will compete. And they will compete for our time. And Martha, today, Martha made the right decision, and she chose the good portion. Listen to Matthew chapter 16. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Meaning we will need to say no to some good things. Why? Because that's what denial is all about. The bad things, again, those are easy. But when we deny ourselves, we're going to say no to some good things. Um, some lesser important things so that Jesus becomes the most important thing in our, our life. Denial is more difficult when it's something we are pursuing. So the question I have is what you are pursuing in alignment with, with his life for you and for me. So the action step is that what priority shift do you need to make today? What priority shift? You see why I said like this is going to be really hard because a lot of us are, are going to go back and be like, I've got to change this life. But it's gonna, what's going to happen to you is what happens to me. Like, we're going to make this commitment. Now, we just got to keep walking it out, right? Because life will come, right? This, this normal hurry thing will try to rush into our life. And what happens is not, not damage to our physical life, but damage to our spiritual life. And if you and I are going to walk out and live the, uh, the Jesus life in the way that the Bible commands us, we are going to have to be people who abide in him. So what distractions have to go, where can you raise your trust level, and what priority shift do you need to make today? He's given us every reason, hasn't he? So we're going to join together in communion. We're going to give him thanks um, for all he has done. He has given us everything that we need to do what we're talking about today. We can do this. Can you just imagine what, what it looks like if, if we together, as a faith community, individually, as families, as a faith community, do this one thing and, and prioritize Jesus in our life? Can you just imagine the impact we will have here locally and the impact we will have globally? And so here you got the onesies and online. Um, um, grab, your donut, grab your toast, whatever it is you have. They're symbols of what Jesus has done. We're going to gather together and, and give him thanks for what he's done. His body was broken that we might be made whole in every way. 
He has given us everything that we need. So maybe as we take communion today, you're going to go, God, I got this distraction. This area I'm not trusting in you. Oh, I got to make this priority shift. Let's just give it to him, shall we? As we partake and say, God, thank you because your body is broken that we might be made whole in every way. Let's take it together, shall we? His blood that was shed for you and me that brings us into right relation. I pray, dear Jesus, that we will never forget the sacrifice that you made for us. Thank you, Father, that we can be in right relationship with you, right relationship with the Father because of your shed blood. So we take the cup in Jesus' name. And Jesus, we receive from you right now. Let's stand together, shall we? Join us online as we worship him. You are